everyone and welcome to the riverfront this is episode number 473 of the world's most dangerous podcast where we discuss the cincinnati reds and occasionally jason vosler the immortal i'm your host chad dotson and with me this week nate it's been a while since we really i mean we had the live show where we got together a little bit but you know you've been otherwise occupied for the last few weeks doing something been somewhere i don't know what's going on there but welcome back Hey, it is good to be back. I uh, missed you guys. I miss uh, cutting it up and talking ball. The opening day episode was fun, but you know, this is my comfort zone. This is what I'm used to. So it's good to be here. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Woke up, had a good hair day today. So that was nice. I've just been <laughs> clicking on all cylinders all day long. I'm really excited to get to actually talk to Mr. Daniel, the man below me. Tim, how are you doing, Bubba? I'm great, man. Date. It is the first time Date and I've ever like actually done a show together. Um, Great. So I'm I'm pretty stoked for this. Like I said, like a couple weeks ago, I've had a blast since we brought late night reds over to the riverfront. So it's been a joy. Um, Chad, I do have to ask if you um, were, were, were feeling the need when this show started there. The need. The need for the speed. Need. Yeah. Jonathan India. Will, B- uh, Will Benson hasn't demonstrated any speed. Um, stop. 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 I'm getting off track here. I was I was not going to go into Will Benson this early. <laughs> I promised last <laughs> I wouldn't even mention his name. But anyway, uh, Tim, listen, we've had a blast uh, with you on the uh, – and if you're not listening, if you're not watching on YouTube, if you're listening, you don't know what in the world we're talking about. For some reason, I had my aviators on when we started because I look exactly like Tom Cruise. This is mm-hmm. this is why, why you need to That's watch it. the YouTube. Yeah, watch the, uh, the YouTube version of this because I look exactly like Tom Cruise. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so um, anyway – Tim, late night Reds talk Sunday nights. You know, uh, we'll talk about it more later, I guess. But we've had a blast having you guys uh, on the network here. Got great feedback from the show Sunday nights going live. You know, we went live here at the Riverfront last week, but it's not something we do often. Um, and so that live element I've mentioned here before, but it's so much fun and glad to have glad to have you uh, sort of uh, shepherding that show uh, through the uh, Riverfront network. And uh, it's been fun, man. I, I've had a great time. Um, I didn't tell you this, Chad, but like. I've always been a fan of your work and I'm not kissing your butt here. I'm literally saying I've always been a fan of your work. So working with you is pretty cool for me. So. Well, let me balance yeah. that out. I have always specifically <laughs> been opposed to your work flagrantly well, you. and I thank think you. you're the worst. Well, I appreciate that. And you've told me that many times, so it's not a surprise. Um, My wife was I blown did. away yesterday when I showed her your book at the library. <laughs> yeah. You know, a guy that, that wrote a book. Yeah. yeah, my books in the library. That's pretty always pretty cool, you know, when somebody shows me that. Or, you know, someone was at the Hall of Fame in uh, the year that it came after it came out. Somebody was at the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. And they were in the bookstore there. And they're like, sent me a picture. Look what I just saw. That. So I have officially made the Hall of Fame. Um, I didn't write any of that book, by the way. It was all Chris Garber. But um, can we start here with a big announcement? Yes. You know, we, we, we brought Tim onto the the network. You know, Nate has, uh, has come on and we, you know, we have a Bengals show now. And you know, I just—I have to say, I'm, I'm so thankful for everything that the Riverfront has done for me, and and this community we've built. You've all just been fantastic. But I, I've, after much thought, after many prayers, I just have to—it's time for me to announce it. I've decided to enter my name into the transfer portal. Okay, congratulations. <laughs> I don't know. It's what the college kids are all doing these days. I thought I'd get in on the action. Is that how that works? <laughs> Kinda, yeah. <laughs> Let's see if we can get somebody to give you one of those uh, name image likeness deals. Mm-hmm. Bring it on. You know, I just got a text a minute ago uh, that as we're recording here, Lance McAllister is talking about me on uh, 700 WLW, which is a weird text to get. I was actually on with Lance 
Uh, last night, talking about my recent piece in Cincinnati Magazine, we might have some time to get into that I, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm sort of proud of. Um, and so if you're not subscribed to Cincinnati Magazine, subscribe, go out to the store and buy a copy. But you can also see it online for, for free. But that doesn't do anything. I guess the click does something. I don't know. I don't look at those metrics, but they don't show them to me. But anyway, uh, that's a weird text to get. You know, I grew up listening to 700 WLW. And uh, I would tell Nate before you, you, you joined us, Tim, uh, the first time I got a chance to go in there, I was like, what is this? This is Marty and Joe's network, you yeah. know, or station. I mean, like, how in the world does they have somebody dumb like me on? And like, you know, I, I still wonder that. But anyway, we've already got off the rails, Tim. You got to. That's what I do here. <laughs> I am. Uh, yeah, I'm totally Mister Off the Rails. Um, <laughs> but I totally get what you're saying. Like Mo is uh, Mo Egger. For those who don't know, what I'm talking about which, if you listen to the show, you more than likely know what I'm talking about. Is a really good friend of mine. Uh, just from working on the basketball beat in the local area, and like. When I was 21 getting into this, he always invited me up to the studio. So Mo let me be on the show a couple of years ago to promote a live podcast I was doing at a local brewery. And I was like, you you know who I am and you know who you are. So are you sure this is what you want? So I get it. I totally do. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I was actually on with Mo last week. And, you know, one of the fun things that when we were, you talked about the book, uh, we don't need to talk about that anymore because it's gone. But um, when we were marketing the book, uh, I, I came to the studio. I was on a, I was, I did a, a spot on like a local public, I can't remember the, the local uh, public NBR station. And then, uh, just happened to be in town and I tweeted that I was, you know, just going on this and Mo, uh, sent me a message. Said, hey, come on over to our studio. So I go out over there and just watched him for a little while and got on live with him. And, and you're right. Just a great guy. And we do have some good guys in reds media. Um, for sure. Definitely. Not, not all of them are good guys, but they've all been good to me. So, uh, you know, that's all I can say there. Can we talk about the reds? Let's do it. The Cincinnati Reds. This is, you know, we have actual games to discuss. I mean, I know we did our live show last uh, Thursday night, but we only had one game to discuss. But this is what I love about this show. We're going to break down in, entirely too uh, in-depth each of these uh, games maybe. and But as, as we stand, the Reds are in third place. Mm-hmm. And as always, you know, we record this on Thursday nights, um, and you'll hear it on Friday. But the Reds are in third place. They're three and two, game and a half out of uh, first place behind the Milwaukee Brewers. Of course, uh, they lost on opening day, as we discussed last week, but they then proceeded to uh, reel off three wins in a row, taking two out of three against the Pirates, and then uh, won the first game of the Cubs series uh, before dropping the second one. And then the uh, third game was rained out. So we're now two series in, and the Reds have not lost a series yet. What a time to be alive. Nate, right. what, are you just, what are your top-line thoughts about what uh, we've seen here so far? I'm going to echo what I said on the live show and is that I am having so much fun with this team. There is not an inning where I don't feel like something fun can happen. There are plays being made on the defensive side of things. The pitchers are exciting. Sometimes the bullpen can be exciting for the wrong kind of reasons, but it's excitement nonetheless. Um, I really, really like watching this team. And I was trying to figure out the last time that there was a, a, a roster that I enjoyed watching this much just from a, they are having a good time together standpoint. And I think I have to go all the way back to like 2010. That's going back a ways. You know, I might say that 2020 team was uh, 2021 20, uh, was kind of had some fun guys, mm-hmm. but yeah, but, but I'm with you. What I like about this team is there are no, you know, there are no, I mean, there are some, I guess, but not really any Donovan Solano's 34 year old guys or Matt Reynolds, 31 year old guys that you're like, these guys aren't going to be or Albert Almora, you know, they're mostly right. guys that, that have a, have a chance of being, if we want to say the next good Reds team, but at least of being in the mix. And that just makes it more interesting to me. Tim, what are your uh, th- thoughts about what we've seen so far? 
Well, uh, rumors of Jonathan India's demise have been greatly exaggerated, right? I mean, he's played so well. He's, you know, he is the fire starter for this team. Uh, my favorite player currently on the roster, as far as guys who you're kind of game planning around. And, you know, it's a conversation we've had a lot and about being worried about his defense and what is he going to be there. But with the new rules of the shift, you can finally see it's like, he doesn't have to track balls down. He doesn't have to go all the way into the to the gap to get something or the holes or anything like that. And he's been pretty solid defensively. You can't complain about anything. But as far as his hitting, uh, he had that monster home run Saturday in the uh, in the afternoon game against the Pirates. And then, you know, he's running the bases really well. I don't know how many he may have. A, does he have a steal yet? I, I don't he has have one. I think one steal. Okay. Yes. So Jonathan India. Being back to the 21, maybe a better version of 2021, Jonathan India. Again, five baseball games in, but very, very much <laughs> loving what we're seeing from number six. We are going to draw some ridiculous conclusions based on a small yeah. sample size, but we're just telling you up front that we're going to do that. Just be ready for it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Jonathan India. Yeah. I mean, you look at his, his numbers so far, again, five, five uh, games into it, but uh, 389 average, 500 on base, 667 slugging, but this kind of brings us to the first topic that I really wanted to talk about here. You know, he announced early in spring that, and, and Nate and I had an extended conversation about this when he announced it. It's Tyler Stevenson kind of came along with him, but he was like, I'm the leader now. You know, we're the leaders now. And we're going to bring a different uh, attitude, basically. And a lot of people rolled their eyes. And a lot of people were like, come on, you can't name yourself the leader. You're the leader, you're not the leader. You can't declare it. And I get all that criticism. But when Nate and I were talking about it, we were like, I don't know. I kind of like this. <laughs> you know, I like that he wants Me to too. take some ownership, that he's invested in this. And uh, that turns out to be uh, uh, what we see game one. Spencer Steer hits, I think it was a fourth inning. Spencer Steer, uh, Reds are down four to one on opening day. Steer, Ricky third baseman of the Reds, walks in his first at bat. And then in the fourth inning, blasts a 2 2 pitch over the left center field wall. So great. I like Spencer Steer. I'm, I'm very hopeful for what he can do this year. Um, but he gets to the dugout. And there's Jonathan India placing a Viking helmet on his head. And then TJ Friedel walks up and drapes a robe, a Viking robe around his shoulders as uh, Steer is walking through the dugout. Uh, you know, everybody's congratulating him. And this Viking thing has become a thing. And I'm just telling you, it's dumb as can be. And I am absolutely here for it. I, yeah, so people are mocking that as well. Like, well, yeah, I don't know. You're not, I don't know. They're having too much fun, I think is what I'm saying. Uh, is there full agreement here that the Viking thing is incredible? Nate, Sign me up. Yeah, yeah, there I you love, go. I love everything about it. I love that they've all bought into it. I you know, wish they let somebody beside Jason Bosser wear the horns on occasion. <laughs> but I don't understand the criticism. Like, what? what's the problem? I'm sure there's going to be some moments in the dog days when they're down nine to two or something. And people are like, oh, I can't believe they're out there putting that Viking helmet on. Like, Who cares? These guys are not supposed to win. They're going to be better than any of us predicted they would be. Let us enjoy it. Let the fans enjoy it. Let them enjoy it. They're the ones playing the game. And I think we underrate how awful last season was for the guys on the roster. And they, they just said never again. Yeah, yeah. I made a point in my Cincinnati Magazine piece that um, – this week that said, essentially, look, from opening day last year with all the, the fire sale trades and all the popular players that were gone, and there were quotes from players that it was just, 
it was not a great mood in the clubhouse. And, you know, again, these are professionals, and but that has it does have some impact. And then, of course, we saw what happened, and it didn't look like that team was having fun the entire year. Here from, from game one, looked like having fun. And, uh, yeah, sign me up, Tim. I agree. I think, too, like, I appreciate the creativity of it. Because do you remember the Red Sox a couple years ago had it was the cart where guys had a home run, they'd get in the shopping cart, and they'd push them down the dugout? I'll take Viking helmet over shopping cart. <laughs> But oh, look, and, I love the Red Sox stuff. Like I love all of that. I want, I want more Jazz Chisholms in baseball, mm-hmm. and I think this is like kind of leaning towards that. Yeah, look, I want bat flips. I want all the insanity. I want them having fun. And uh, so if you're if you're yelling, get off my lawn about all of uh, yeah, this stuff, I can't I can't deal with you. It's fun to watch them having fun. And is it going to be the difference between a team that loses 95 games? And a team that wins 95 games, no. You still have to have talent. These are the professional baseball teams. But if if it helps make them a little more competitive, but makes them also more fun to watch, I'm tuning in every night anyway. I want Absolutely. to see them having fun. So I'm all, I'm all for it. Look, they're 3-2. and two. They were 3-22 and 22 last year. Bring it on. This is way more fun already. I don't care if they end up losing uh, 95. Well, yeah, that's not true. I do care. But, um. But I think that's I think that's a great point. Uh, just about you know, um, it's uh, it's it's different. It's something that, um, and yes, it's uh, you know they're, they've made it up. It's a made up tradition now, you know. But who cares? Anyway, I don't know. Have much else to say it? We're all we're that's unanimous. how traditions start, Chad. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Can't wait you to know, see I was, Joey. Joey wearing the horns here. Soon. I loved his uh, tweet when he did that. Uh, tw- that when he was like, they're like, uh, "Are you excited?" He's like, "More than anything, I'm excited to wear that." <laughs> I cannot wait, cannot wait. And of course, Joey Votto should be back soon. We'll talk a little bit more about him later. But he did hit a uh, a massive uh, 448 home run on the first pitch, I think, of his first rehab at bat. Joey Votto. Uh, other other things to discuss from the first two series, I think. Nate mentioned it, but we have to go into Jason Vossler, right? Uh, is is Joey Votto going to have a spot on this roster when he's healthy? Jason Vossler, by far the most productive uh, red so far this year. And if you go to baseball reference, which uh, which I do pretty much every day, I like how they have the uh, you know the top uh, 12. If you look at the Reds, Reds page, the top 12 players by mm-hmm. baseball reference wins above replacement. Now, the first thing I would do is I'm looking at this list and I recognize like three of these guys. Uh, and I follow this team more closely than almost anyone. So that's uh, one issue. But Jason Vosler is number one. Graham Ashcraft, Nate's guy, number two. Who do you think is the third in that list uh, wins above replacement? Stuart Fairchild. Stuart Fairchild is 10th. Nate, you have a guess? I had to wave the cursor over his picture to figure out who that was. <laughs> Me too. Go ahead and say it. It is uh, Derek, the long arm of the law. <laughs> Derek Law. <Somehow>. So, <laughs> Jason Vosler, 15 plate appearances. He has uh, not walked yet because he doesn't need to walk because he just mashes everything. Five hits, scored four runs, one double, one triple, three home runs, seven runs batted in, 333 average, 333 on base, 1.133 slugging, OPS plus of 2.60. Pretty good. The legend of Jason Vosler. Tim, what's going on here? So, uh, Chad, actually, uh, my good friend Clay Snowden, you can check it out, justbaseball.com, wrote an article this week on Jason Vosler. 
and talking about how he's potentially the Reds' next great rental. Um, as far as you know, what they got from Brandon Jury last year, invite the spring training, came in, raked. They were able to get a prospect for him at the deadline, kind of thing. Um, you know, I think uh, this has been really fun. And the thing that really that Clay pointed out in the article the most that jumped out to me is they're not all fastballs that he's crushing right now. Like there are a lot of breaking balls. It's a lot of like low and aways. It's a lot of changeups that he's hitting all over the ballpark. Um, so his pitch selection, what he's like, witness, what he's like go- chasing, going after is showing that uh, what's very, certainly valuable to what this team needs. Um, I would not go crazy and say that he's going to take Joey Votto's job, but a JV playing first base is always a good sign in Cincinnati. And a guy wearing number 32 batting left-handed is also always a good sign in Cincinnati. No doubt about it. And we'll talk a little more about him later uh, when I will. Uh, and I like Clay and I like that article, but I'm going to rain a little bit on that, that parade. I think it was a, a aggressively optimistic. I think we can be reasonably optimistic. And I think there's a reason to, to believe that Vosler can help this team. But, uh, but Nate, what do you think about what we've seen from Vosler? It's been fun, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know how you could say anything else. This guy, I don't think even makes the roster if Joey Votto is on the opening day roster. So talk about getting an opportunity and making something of it. You love to see it for him. And shoot, if he's just a, a rental, this guy, I think he was a six-round draft pick. I mean, you, 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 it's hard to root for something more than you want this guy to go out there and get a bag. Go out there, get a contract, make some money, play in a game you love. You're we're rooting for this guy at least until the trade deadline. I hope he keeps it up. Yeah, and and again, we have a, a viewer mail question later that will get us into his future a little bit more, so I want to stick a pin in this one for a moment. But, yeah, it's been fun. And and not just Joey Votto getting hurt opened a spot for him, but pro- there's a reasonable chance that if Christian, Christian Encarnacion Strand doesn't have a back issue, yeah. that he's the first baseman on opening day instead of Otzer. So, you know, you always talk about guys – uh, when when they come to the big leagues, you got to grab the brass ring. You got to you don't get very many opportunities. You got to take them when you get them. And so far, so good. We're 15 plate appearances in. That's why I think it's a little uh, optimistic to, to grow any big conclusions. But but you cannot complain one bit about what he's done. And yeah, I love I love the the symmetries of the JV initials and number 30. It's weird to see a left-handed hitter wearing 32. The first time I saw that opening, I'm like I, immediately, oh my gosh, Jay Bruce. You know, so. Uh, uh, it's just it's been fun, and I'm, I'm I hope we see more of it. Let's talk, if we could, about the performance so far of our starting pitchers: uh, Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, and Graham Ashcraft. And though that's the order that they started in, although to discuss them, we may need to flip that around and begin with 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 Graham Ashcraft because Graham Ashcraft was just absolutely dominant, just brilliant. He. Uh, Struck out, let's see. Uh, well, Odolo and Ashcraft combined for 15 strikeouts over 14 innings. Um, Ashcraft threw seven innings in that uh, rubber match victory over the Pirates in the opening series. Allowed just one run on four hits. S- so, seven innings. It took 32 games last year for the Reds to have a pitcher complete even six innings in a start. This team is different now. Uh, are they good? I'm not telling you that, but they're different. They're you know, They're certainly better. For those first three. Now we would have had Hunter Green starting yesterday or today, but uh, games got rained out. Did you see that the, it didn't even rain in Philadelphia today? Yeah, they, they called the game twenty four hours early for rain because the rain was in the forecast, and then it didn't even rain. We could have been watching Reds baseball today. I'm so upset. But anyway, Graham Ashcraft, Nate, you've been you were right on this. I was wrong. 
So I'm going to give you the first word on the Ashcraft's performance and uh, how dominant he looked. Well, we got a little bit to talk about with him in the topic of the week, so I don't want to go too far, but I don't understand why y'all are surprised. All this guy has done for the last, like, two years of his life is just shove while he's up there. I, I love the guy. It's so much fun. Um, as great as he was, hey, I certainly didn't expect him to go, you know, seven innings and look as good as he did because of what you just said. Reds haven't had a lot of pitchers do that, especially this early in the season. But um, he was he's so much fun to watch. And I think a lot of the people that thought, you know, how's the, the, the shift getting bang going to hurt a guy like that, oppose a lot of ground balls. For some reason, I'm just not that concerned with it. I mean, you're in Great American Ballpark. You can't convince me that giving up ground balls is a bad thing to do. So yeah. I loved it. Um, we keep talking about him. I also want to talk a little bit about Lodolo because I don't know if y'all have looked at any of those advanced metrics. His uh, his classic stat line wasn't great, but the advanced stuff was through the roof. Loves him. Yeah. 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 Tim, uh, take it anywhere you want there. Excuse me. Bad timing. That's not where that's not where I wanted you to take. No, no, no. That's not where I wanted to go either. Uh, and I, of course, I don't have a water around me. Um, but um, I think the biggest thing about Lodolo's outing is, like you said, Nate, his first inning kind of put a dark cloud over that bit, that stat line. But the way he responded after kind of having a little bit of struggles in that first inning uh, was really impressive. I think Nick Lodolo's one of those ultimate pitchers where, you know, one bad situation does not he does not fall apart from there. It's not like if things are like start going downhill, he just falls apart and like lets everything go away from him. Um he re you know didn't hurt that like I said India came in and hit a homer and they got a couple runs in that inning. But I think for him, uh he's a guy that just kind of brushes his shoulder off and goes with the flow and lets the game dictate things. And I think you know that's something you're really gonna need from him. And look, I think Hunter Green even said, you know, in his outing, you know, you mentioned the strikeouts, Chad. I know it wasn't long, but he had eight and his three and a third to yeah. go with what those guys did. So I'm not worried about those three. I think it's going to be a great thing. Um, I, I, you know, like you said, we could have seen Hunter Green pitch today and then tomorrow against a struggling Phillies team. So, of course, I'm really bummed about that too because now it's probably the time to beat the Phillies. Let's because, get them now. Yeah. There's, yeah. Because come June, holy moly. Well, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, yeah. Uh, not, I'm not worried. Is, is one of you just said, I'm not worried about him. And no, it's what we saw from the first three. Is exactly what we're going to see. I mean, mm -hmm. they were now Hunter Green's going to go longer, and we're going to see they're going to get better, whatever. But you know, there's nothing that we saw that made you made you come want to come down any from our high expectations for those right. three. Um, and uh, we'll talk about the other two. Now's as good a time as any to talk with the other two because we've talked with them a lot. No reason to talk more about Hunter Green. We talked about him on, on our opening day show, and he's not pitched since then, but uh, he's still the greatest pitcher in the history of the world. Um, I, I want someone. One of maybe one of our Patreon family, patreon.com slash riverfront to go back and find the archives. The first time I ever uh, mentioned Graham Ashcraft on here, Nate mentioned him because Nate was so high on him. And I, I'm pretty sure you'll find a clip of me saying something like, eh, his ceiling is, you know, he might be a, 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 a setup guy, a good, <laughs> a good setup guy in the bullpen. Maybe back of the bullpen, maybe a closure even. But, uh, and so the one thing about this show is I'm, I'm always confident in everything I say, but I, when I'm, when I'm wrong, I try to admit it, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to die on a hill, uh, when I'm wrong. So, uh, again, it's, we're just trying to be honest with you and I was wrong and I'm probably going to keep mentioning it. And Nate's probably going to keep bringing up how wrong I am because Nate was right from the beginning. And it's literally the only thing Nate's ever been right about on the show. So it's, we got to keep talking about it. Got to hold on to that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, that first series, the pirate series. Bullpen pretty good. 
and against the Cubs, not so much. Um, I don't know what to say other than it's probably not a very good bullpen. And um, those days are, and, and we have a viewer more question about the bullpen. We'll get into a little bit more later, but I don't know if any of you have any quick thoughts about I, my, my opinion is this is just what we are going to have to expect. They're just not going to be consistently good because they didn't try to build a bullpen <laughs> really in the offseason. Either yeah, of you? I don't want to. Um... I have some more to say on that later when we get to that question, but I was ready after that first series. I had some tweets that I almost sent out about, is this, is this bullpen actually going to be a strength? Like a couple of those guys look <laughs> really, really good. And uh, I dove into some of the, the, the underlying numbers, some of the deeper stuff. And uh, yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of volatility out of that pan throughout this season. Um, hopefully when we get Tony Santillan and some of these guys back, be a different story but until then i hope the offense keeps on cooking offense has cooked the offense has cooked very well yeah. um all right let's see uh there's anything else about the first two uh series that we really want to talk that you all have uh yeah that's basically you know jonathan eve was one of the things i want to talk we kind of got into him uh already uh just a really strong start i'm looking at the stats now uh I don't, I don't see anything that jumps out at me that I want to talk about. Tyler Stevenson's been good. Tyler Stevenson's yeah. looked good so far. Uh, yeah, happy, happy about that. You think yeah, Tyler just, Stevenson has the, <laughs> the, the quietest 368, yeah. 400 stat line in uh, Major League history? Probably, yeah. <laughs> I do want to yeah. say before we move on, um, the Pirates are a terrible franchise and they stink and their fans are not welcome <laughs> here. Okay. <laughs> thank you yes absolutely true i love it okay uh then let's get into a couple other things i wanted to mention before we get into the topic of the week the first thing i wanted to uh, discuss is i don't know if y'all saw this and i'm here i'm i have to sort of pat myself on on the back that's what they always say this it's the uva handshake you know uh that's a university of virginia reference well it's the um, bourbon one uh, <sighs> oh. that is <laughs> that is two straight podcasts I've been on with Tim, and he has figured out a way to mention Furman. Not cool, man. I still love you, buddy. Uh, thank you. <laughs> it doesn't hurt my feelings. It is what it is. Um, Reds call, uh, sent Nick Senzel and Tony Santion to Louisville on rehab assignments. Uh, Senzel starting tonight at third base uh, in the minor league, which is interesting. Any thoughts? Uh, I'll go to you first, Nate. Any thoughts on those two? We could use Santion as my first thought in the bullpen. We need him back um, immediately. My other thought is that people kind of made a big deal about, oh, yeah, they should be moving Nick Senzel all around the diamond. You know, let him be like a super utility guy. That's what they need to do. I'm like, why are we overreacting to them having this uh, this brilliant plan to let Nick Senzel play Nick Senzel's position? If that's the position he plays. He should maybe do that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But I, I hope he's healthy. He had a double the other day. I mean, I, I – the optimism is not as heavy as it often has been in the past, but it's there's a little bit left, and I'm I'm excited to see this guy come back up. He's going to do it, right? This is Wrong. the year. Yes, this is it. This is the year. Tim, uh, any thoughts about Senzel or Santiana? There's not a whole lot to pick off of that bone. I can't quit Nick Senzel. I try to. I really do. I just am like, no, you know, Tim, come on. You know better. You know how this goes. But there's still that, like, but you know, yeah. and he so has like, talent. right. He's, you know, a very skilled athlete, you know, crazy. And I still look at those minor league numbers and I'm like, 
maybe, you know, and obviously injuries are been a big part of his issue. Um, and I'm not going to be able get on him for a disappointing rookie year because it was just getting used to playing major league baseball. So, you know, Nate made the point of like super utility guy. Um, I've said before, I think he should be to say a Reds version of Ben Zobrist. Uh, so Ben Zobrist was a very quality major league baseball player for a long mm-hmm. time. So if he does end up being Ben Zobrist, I'm very happy, but I'm not feeling like, I feel like he could be shades of at the moment instead of being another Ben Zobrist. He's that, uh, you know, that Marlboro light in the back of the drawer when you're on your third glass of wine. You're like, I just, I know I shouldn't smoke this cigarette, but I can't <laughs> stop. I can't do it. Uh, I'm not going to comment anymore. You all know my thoughts about Nick Senzel. This is the year. Uh, other transaction of the week, the Reds uh, sent uh, Joel Kunal to AAA, called up Kevin Herget from Louisville, and designated Bennett Souza from the University of Virginia. Designated him for assignment, so the bullpen moves. Uh, so I, I do have a question about that real quick, and just, just yeah, in case ahead. you guys possibly have an answer. What's happening there? Like, Bennett Sousa was good in the spring, and he was – only had one appearance in AAA. Like, why are they just letting this guy go? He was a uh, decent pet pedigree, strong lefty. Can he ever have too many lefties? I don't know. And for some guy, Kevin Herger, uh, literally never heard of. Well, I think the answer here is, and I'll let Tim uh, uh, answer it, but my quick answer is they have so many good bullpen arms. They just, there's so many in the organization that they, they can afford to, to give him away. I don't know, Tim, any thoughts? Um, No, it's, it's the bullpen. We've we've been having this bullpen conversation for as long as I remember, probably since the uh, Chapman, Broxton, Marshall t- uh, trio. I feel like we've been questioning what could this bullpen could what this bullpen needs to be. I know they were good in 2020 when they went to the playoffs, but you know that was a 60 game season. Um, so I just feel like we're forever. Just this is like the forever entwined. It's like the Bengals with offensive linemen. Like we're forever discussing. Well, if you have to get offensive linemen, things are going to work out. That's the Reds bullpen. Yeah. Uh, that's enough bullpen talk. I, I am going to go ahead and pat myself. I wasn't going to do it. I started. I started to do it. Then I said, Nah, let's move on to the other stuff. And I'm going to do it. Uh, you know, every three of the last four years. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've been writing. This is my tenth season covering the Reds for Cincinnati Magazine, and. and I, uh, I love the fact that they let me write whatever I want. They don't care if the Reds get mad at us, and the Reds have gotten mad at Cincinnati Magazine because of me uh, many times. Uh, but they don't care. They, they want me to just tell the truth as I see it and um, and not sugarcoat things because we're not, you know. But anyway, each of, three of the last four years, I have written a piece in the April issue of the, the print edition of the magazine, a longer feature, longer than my weekly columns during the season, um, a longer f- feature and this year's uh they titled it i don't know the titles um but then they titled it and this one belongs to the bengals and as we started talking about what we were gonna what we're gonna write about this year uh, it kind of coalesced around this idea of well the reds are in a bad place they just lost 100 the bengals are in a great place how did this happen how did how did the browns the mike brown family how did they go from being the biggest sports villains in town to be in, everybody's in love with the, with with their team now, and the Castellinis are the sports villains in town, and it, it, it's it was not a piece. I think some people misread it to, to be a, yet another Castellini bashing piece. It was not. I tried really hard not to just bash the Castellinis. Believe me, I've done that plenty, um, as they well know. Um, this one was not. It was. Uh, it was basically here. Here are like five ways that the Bengals that the Reds can mimic what the Bengals did. To turn it around, and I tried to write it in the in the 
with the perspective of, and they can do it, and they can do it soon. I mean, because they have all these prospects, that they can turn this thing around pretty quickly if they will follow these five things. Anyway, I encourage you to go read it. Um, did, I'll ask you, because I think both of you have, have seen the piece. Did it seem like I was bashing the Castellinis too much? Because, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, bold of me to presume that Nate actually read this. Uh, Tim, I'll ask you. Uh, you know, I, I really try, I know, I, know, I really tried not to, uh, again, because what else can I say at this point? I've said everything there's to say about the Castellanians. I'm going to keep being honest with you, but it's, you know, whatever. It starts out with a little bit of, only in that, I, in that I contrasted one particular weekend where Phil Castellani made his latest dumb comments, and the very next day, the Bengals are hosting the Ravens down at Paycor and the fumble in the jungle and, you know, just such a contrast between we can't compete. Here's my slideshow to show you we can't compete versus, oh, my gosh, the Bengals are going back to the Super Bowl. Well, that's what everyone thought when they left the stadium. But anyway, uh, Tim, uh, pat me on the back, please. Always, Chad. Always. <laughs> um, no, I don't think you're necessarily being too hard, especially, you know, like you said, in years past, you've been very much, very much harder on them. Um, it's true. Yeah, and I think, you know, we're just kind of at the point now, right, where we want to be one of those sports cities. Um, we want to be one of those ones where both professional franchise. I mean, you can now add FCC, FCC to that. I'm not a soccer guy. I know you are, Chad, but they're really successful yeah. in the MLS right now. They played really well. Um, I said this to Joe the other day, and though he, he's a diehard UC fan, but when he had mentioned how well things were going in Cincinnati, I did not mention that Xavier went to the Sweet 16. <laughs> so, you know. You see, also went to the Sweet 16 in the NIT. You know, there's that. Um, but Virginia went to the Sweet 64. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, adequate 64. So I think, you know, what you're kind of getting at is, I, you, you know, your idea generally, and I'm not trying to speak for you, is like we just want a situation where uh, Cincinnati is one of those sports cities where both franchises are looking at like, look, we have this young up and coming talent. We can put something special together here and we can make our fan bases happy. Um, and you know, the, the Bengals have done an absolutely perfect way of that, but you know, obviously there's no baseball version of Joe Burrow that just walks in and changes everything. Right. Um, you know, I think Jonathan D would be that if that were the case, but I think that, you know, what you said was like really, really on point. I don't think you were like, giving the middle finger metaphor, middle finger to the cast ladies anymore. And uh, the graphic was incredible. I thought the graphic was amazing. <laughs> go. If you haven't seen it, go look at that graphic. When they showed that to me a few weeks ago, they said, uh, the, my editor there said, you've got to see this thing. And I was like, Oh my God, it's Phil Castellini sitting in a, a bathroom stall. like me like mean girls. But, um, but no, my point was to be, was that the, 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 the my conclusion, my final point was just, the Reds have to rebuild their relationship with the fans. And it can happen because look at what the Bengals did. I mean, simple things like the Ring of Honor and Zach Taylor going to local bars and handing out game balls. The Reds can do this because this team wants to love – or this city wants to love the Reds. They can do that, and now they've got some prospects if they make the right – now, you should never trust this ownership and, and management team to make the right moves to finish the plan because they never have yet. I hope they do because if they do, the pieces are in place. Um I don't trust him, but the pieces are in place. Anyway, Nate, um, any any other thoughts? Can you say nice things about me, please? Yeah, real quick. I mean, it wasn't, like you're saying, it wasn't a Bash Castellini piece. It was a, um, here is what the former whipping boys of the city did correctly to win back the hearts and minds of the community. And not only have they won it back, I mean, it is feverish. It, it's still a football town right now in Cincinnati. They're so excited about that team over there. 
But of the five points you made, number two was was the one for me. You know, you have to build around your young stars, young studs. I mean, that's a quick win that would repair relationships immediately. Just look over in Atlanta. I mean, if they locked up Tyler Stevenson, locked up Jonathan India, and then got to work on those pitchers, I mean, they're not going to get a negative comment. Well, I mean, it's Twitter, so they'll, they'll get some from somebody because, you know, Twitter does that. But by and large, it'll be praised across the city. And then what? You know, do the same thing with Ellie De La Cruz. He signed for like $65,000 or something. Offer him 25, 30 men. Offer him generational wealth right now. See if he takes it. Raise it with a Cunyan Albies. I mean, yeah. They can do it right now, and I really, really hope we see something like that because that's – I still am dubious of their quote-unquote plan. But if they do something like that, I'll know they have one. We'll start to climb on board. Yeah, yeah. And and like Tim, Tim said, I made the point in, in the piece to say, all right, football system, baseball system is different. We can't just draft a Joe Burrow. But we can build around a young core here, like because again, the Braves is, is the that's a, a perfect corollary. The Braves started their rebuild back when the same time the Reds, and now look what they're doing. But um, yeah, so anyway, I think it can be done. I think there's a clear path to being able to repair that relationship and to to do what the Bengals did. Whether the Cassidys will fall through, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'm hopeful. I want them to, please, yeah. please. So uh, go to cincinnatimagazine.com or go buy a copy. That's even better. Uh, but either way, go and look at that wonderful graphic. It's just, hmm. <laughs> am I, you know, I just pulled it up here. I'm looking at it and I, I noticed something I'd never noticed before on this. Um, he's in the bathroom stall and down at the bottom, there's like a sticker with like a broken baseball bat. And it's, <laughs> I'd never see that. It says rounding turd and heading for home. <laughs> <laughs> That is, I, I never noticed that before. I was just in real time. Uh, I didn't either. So now I have to go back and find him. <laughs> Somebody needs a raise. Oh my goodness. That is brilliant. Oh, I love it. All right. We got to get to the topic of the week. We're having too much fun here. We're, we're running long already. We've got viewer mail to do and the topic of the week. Nate, how about I ask you to kind of preview our topic of the week or set it up for us here? Yeah. So we um, did something like this once or twice in the past and had a lot of fun. And my favorite thing about, the beginning of the season is completely and utterly overreacting to every possible storyline. I mean, the Reds won the first series, World Series bound, baby. Here we go. So we're going to do a little buy, sell, hold for a few of uh, you know the major themes around the season up to this point. So pretty much, if you buy, it means you believe that it's going to keep keep up, keep happening throughout the year. You can sell it. This is a flash in the pan. There's no way. Or you can hold it. And say, hey. I'm not, I'm not ready to buy that stock yet, but I'd like to see where it goes before I dump it. So that's pretty much it. Um, do you want me to, to bat lead off or? Do it. Do it. All right. So first off, and this is probably the one that I'm most excited about, is buy, sell, or hold TJ Friedel as the center fielder of the future. Start with you, Chad. What do you think? Well, T.J. Friedel, you know, so far this year, again, five games completely and utterly overreacting, as Nate just said. But the dude's OPS plus is, is 205. If he has a 205 OPS plus by the end of the season, he will be one of the better players on this team. He'll be the best center fielder in Reds history if, if he's able to do say. that. <laughs> 353 average, 389. You know, T.J. Friedel, I love Friedel's story, and I've written about it before, but I love his story that – he didn't get drafted. He was undrafted. Not because he wasn't good, because every team forgot or didn't realize he was eligible to be drafted. And that's how the Reds grabbed him after the draft. 
Um, he's never been like eye-opening, spectacular on the minor league level, but he's uh, you know been competent. And we're, he's only he only has 313 plate appearances on the big league level, but you know. 253, 324, 458 slugging, you know, 109 OPS plus. It's um it's not it's not bad so far. Again, and he's 27. I'm gonna say I'm going to sell on him as the uh center fielder of the future. I want I want to hold, I'm not buying it. He's 27, but I I I think that I have come around on Friedel certainly being a piece of the next good Reds team. And I think he could be a, a dynamite fourth outfielder, frankly, on a good team. Um, and maybe even a starter for two or three years, you know, 27, 28, 29-year-old years. Uh, this could be the beginning of a little bit of a, you know, he's a sort of a late bloomer. That's So I, I'm, I'm selling on him as a center fielder of the future, though. Tim? I will also sell uh, for all the reasons Chad mentioned. Uh, I think fourth outfielder was what I was actually going to say. I feel like that is like a perfect spot for him. Um, plus he's from Pittsburgh. So, you know, Ooh, there's that, there's that exclusion. Never had a chance. Yeah. Ugh. Well, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to become enemy number one in that city in Pennsylvania. <laughs> so I'm going to take all the digs I can. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. Please don't ever pass up an opportunity. Well, if you guys are going to sell all your Friedel stock, I'm going to buy it, baby. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I feel like it's cheap. I'm getting it at a value right now. I'm, I'm loving the bunt chaos. You know, he fakes it. The defense shifts. He might lay one down. He might not. Don't care. I love it. You know, since he came back up last year when he uh, made that change to his to his stance and swing, 177 plate appearances, and it's a 276, uh, 358, 466, or 566 slash line. And his uh, batting average on balls in play, only 269 in that span. So it's not like he's getting lucky either so he's obviously not this good but i think he doesn't need to be to be an above average major league center fielder so i'm gonna buy this stock yeah defense pretty good and before we move on to the next one and and but this is a kind of goes back to i want to mention something we talked about before he's a perfect example of this time last year these at bats were going to albert almora jr right now, now it's tj frito who's a fun guy to watch whether I think he's good the center fielder future or not, he's still fun to watch. I like watching him play. He's got the the, the long hair and you know the goofy antics in the in the dugout. And so bring it on. I, I like goofy antics. Same. I'm all for it. Yeah. All right, Nate. What's our next one? Um, the next one is going to be a popular question in Reds land right now. Jason Bossler as a legit big leaguer, buy, sell, or hold. Start with you. Him. <laughs> I'm buying. Buying. Let's buying Vossler stock. I love it. Buying. Tell me more. I think, um, especially with the new National League rules, right? And the shift and everything. Like, there's no crowding right field if he's a pull if he's pull hitting. There's none of that. Um, very small sample size, like Chad and I talked about on late night reds this past week, as far as 77 major league games, I think, going into this year. Um, but had an 810 OPS in that time. I don't think he's a starter. I don't think he's like, but could he be like a DH on this team against right-handed pitching? Like full on Russell Westbrook, like limit him. Sure. Um, I think that's, that's something where he could be pretty successful being a bench bat for this team that still hits like 16, 17 homers, especially in that stadium. Um, again, I'm not saying he's a star, but I do think he could be very helpful for this Reds team this at least this season. 
Here's what I say about Jason Bosner, buy, sell, hold. And part of my answer here is going to be a partial answer to one of our viewer mail questions. Eric Market, sorry, we're going to get to you. We're going to finish answering that question later, but this is this is what I was going to say there. But um, I'm buying Jason Bosner stock. I am buying Jason Bosner stock as a legit big leaguer. That's what we're talking about, as a legit big leaguer. And here's why. He's not going to be the starting first baseman for this team. Um, I don't know that he's even going to get the most at-bats as a designated hitter. But... Um, and he's not going to keep hitting like this, probably. But go look at his minor league numbers, okay? His minor league numbers are, uh, they're, they're, they're cromulent. They're okay. They're not bad. They're a guy that can, can put the bat on the ball. He can hit. Um, he, he, but he, they're not overwhelming to make you think this is a guy that can be a, a big league starter even. But why I think he's going to be a, got a shot here to be a legit big leaguer, which, and, and a legit big leaguer is a guy that's going to be on a roster. To me, next two or three years, he's on a roster. You know, that, that's how I'm kind of classifying that. I think that I think that he could be, even though he's 29 years old and nobody ever comes up at 29 and becomes a, a player. But in in three big league seasons, parts of three big league seasons, we're talking just 71 total games. Listen to this. First base, second base, third base, left field, right field. Oh, shortstop as well. So first base, second base, third base, shortstop, left field, right field, DH. In just 71 big league games, he's played all those positions. So that's why I think he could be. If he can just hit with an average clip, he can still help this Reds team. So I can see him being a legit big leaguer if you consider the 24th, 25th guy on the Cincinnati Reds a legit big leaguer, which I do. Um, I think it could be that because he can provide some positional versatility. So uh, that's what I say. Nate, your thoughts on Jason Vosler? Yeah, I didn't expect uh, both of y'all to buy on this one. Um but much like the Alabama Shakes, I am going to hold on for this one. Um, I would have I would have sold this faster than a cat covers up poop in a litter box before the season started. I didn't know who this guy was when they signed him. I had no expectations. But, you know, now in what amounts to over 200 plate appearances for his career, he's got a 786 OPS and a 114 OPS plus. That's, that's good. That's good enough to keep you in the big league. So is he an all-star? No, probably not. But a legit ball player? Yeah, maybe. So it's a hold for now, but I like my chances of uh, you know making some money on this stock down the road. Two buys and a hold. This is the very definition of completely and utterly <laughs> overreacting to five games of Jason Vosler, who we'd never heard of a month ago. I love it. I love it. Nate, what's our next one? All right, next one is Graham Ashcraft as a top-of-the-rotation starter. And by that, I mean a top-two guy. Not just top three, top, top two. Top two yeah. guy. All right. Well, let's hear your let's hear yours first. You're the Ashcraft guy. So you know this might surprise you guys, but I am actually going to buy that stock. Of course, I'm buying that <laughs> stock. Get out of here. That slider is downright filthy. If the cutter and sinker keep up, the guys it, 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 it sky's the limit. The dudes over at Just Baseball, who I think uh, Tim referenced earlier, said that he could potentially be the best number three in all of baseball which means that he's a top-two guy on most teams and probably a one on some. So pass me the smell and salts, a can of Copenhagen. I've already invested heavily in real estate on Ashcraft Island, and now it's time to add some stock to that portfolio. Give me all of it. Buy it. <laughs> what, do you think? what do you think, Tim? Buy it. Um, oh, we are a, completely and utterly overreacting. I love it. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Look, we don't know how long things are going to be this good vibes. So <laughs> I'm going to enjoy every moment of it. All right. Like that's how I've always been with this club. You know, I, uh, so I'm good. I'm going to enjoy every good thing I can. And I think, um, you know, on this team with these two ahead of them, it's a little trickier. I understand that. And I respect that. Cause I do think those two are, you know, going to be the future good friend of the program, Zeno Saris, flat out said like these three are the best young pitching tandem in the last 15 years. And then the well, a couple of guys for the pirates were telling Derek Shelton that uh, this is probably the best group of three guys we're going to face. So yeah, Graham Ashcraft, probably on majority of baseball teams. Like, can you imagine Graham Ashcraft in the Tampa Bay organization? Like he's a guy that they're like teams are salivating over trading for. And here he is the third pitcher. And he's phenomenal. I mean, he's fantastic. So, yes, I think he has the total upside to be a top two. I don't know if he's going to hop over Lodola or Green here necessarily, but, you know, to not do another Bengals metaphor, if he's the T. Higgins of this group, where the other guys are getting talked about mm. more, but he's still very great. Producing can't week hurt. after week, yeah. Similar yeah. body types, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was I I'm, jumping up for the deep ball, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I was going to be a hold here, but you guys are you're influencing the market. You're Jim Cramer going on CNBC and influencing the market here. Uh, I, I'm buying stock. I'm buying Ashcraft stock. I was going to sell, but I mean, I was going to hold, but you convinced me. All right, next one, Nate. Um, next up, buy, sell, or hold Jonathan India as a better version than he was in 2021. Bye, bye, you know, bye, 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 bye. I'm pushing the button here. Oh bye, bye, buy all that stock. All of it. Yeah. All of it. We're all in agreement there. I mean, let's be let's be real about it. Jonathan India is not the second coming of Joe Morgan, but you know, I was going back through some stats, and you know who I like as a comp for uh for Jonathan India? Old sweet Lou Whitaker out of Detroit. Sweet Lou. You know, give give me a string of the like two seventy, three fifty, four forty slash line. I can see that it's not unrealistic. I'm here for it. He's the guy who's well, very so open on reading your tweets too. If you if you said a bad thing about Jonathan India, he used it as fuel. So good, good for that's him. true. Maybe Very we good. should all sell the stock so that he keeps mashing. I'm gonna the, the title of this show. I'm gonna I'm gonna title this on YouTube and in audio. Sell all your Jonathan India stock and just see if it <laughs> motivates him. We'll get some clicks. Yeah, well, not gonna do that. Uh, yeah, bye, bye, bye. Uh, Sweetly Whitaker, by the way, the best player not currently in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Ooh. All right, Nate, go to the next one. Uh, next up, my sir or hold Jake Fraley as a legit middle of the order bat. Start with you, Chad. What you got? Jake Fraley. Of course, Jake Fraley's been good so far this year. Uh, better than good, really. 385 average, 467 on base, 692 slugging. Uh, tied for the league lead with one caught stealing, by the way. That's a little known, <laughs> little known statistical nugget for you. Tied for the National League lead in caught stealing with one. Um, He's looked good so far. You know, he's 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 walked a couple times. He's just he's he's been really kind of locked in. And you know, he's had some, his two years with the Reds overall been pretty good, really with the with the bat. You know, no complaints whatsoever when he's been healthy. And it's been some difficult to be uh, keeping him healthy. Um, but if the question is uh, Jake Fraley as a middle of the order bat, I'm sorry, I'm selling it. I'm selling that stock. I mean, I want to buy it. I definitely want to buy it. I just can't. I mean, the guy's 28 years old. He's never really been a middle-of-the-order bat in, for a real organization. 
I love the beard. I love that the fact that he looks like a Viking, and that's how what got the the Viking tradition started. Um, I just I can't. I don't. I hope he is, and he might be for this particular Reds team. But no, I'm, I'm selling that stock. Yep. I'm gonna hold for now. I love Rick Fraley. I mean, I picked him to lead the team in home runs this year on uh, on on the show. Um, but until he can consistently have good at bats against left-handed pitching, I'm always going to be nervous about him. Um, I still think he'll lead the team in home runs just because they face so many right-handers in the central. And I think he's very good as far as in that situation. Um, he's, you know, one of my favorite players on the team. He's very fun to root for like we talked about, and he's, you know, a perfect fill in for what they lost in Jesse Winker, probably better than Jesse Winker at this point in their careers. Ooh. I hate that that might actually be true. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go that far, but yeah. So so until he can consistently hit lefties, I'm gonna hold. Nate, That's pretty reasonable, and uh, you said the biggest argument for me too. Uh, this was a tough one. I mean, he passes the eye test. He's out there. He looks like a stud bag. Like he, he's got a great approach, makes great contact, but I don't know. Uh, only 250 plate appearances last year. He was good. You know, he was pretty darn good. He was really, really good in the second half. But, you know, a middle-of-the-order bat should not be a platoon guy against lefties. And Rake just doesn't do his nickname any justice against Southpaw. So, uh, you know, at this point in the career, I'm going to have to, even though it hurts me, sell my Jake Fairley as a middle-of-the-order bat stock. But tweet it out. Thanks for this. Go on a tear. Would love to love to see it happen. Absolutely. All right, what's the last one? Is this the last one, Nate? This is the last one. So uh, this is, it goes out to Chad. Buy, sell, or hold Will Benson as literally the worst hitter in baseball history. Chad, yeah, we'll start with you. Let me just say this, okay? I was uh, publicly very excited about Will Benson. Uh, I'm still very excited about Will Benson. And I guess if the question is, are you buying Will Benson stock, I'm buying it because he's only going up from here. He can't get any worse than what we've seen so far this season. He just It's literally impossible to be worse than, what is he, 0 for – here, I got it right here. He's 0 for, 0 for 12 with nine strikeouts. I mean, that's – I'm not one of these big-time uh, sabermetric guys. I don't know about the analytics, but that doesn't seem very good. Um, so he's, so I'm buying his stock, but if the, I don't know, the question is worst in history. No, no way in the world. So I'm not sure how to interpret that question, but buy all the Wilbins and stock you can get, he's still going to be probably the best player on the Reds this year. That's, that's what, that's my prediction. Yeah, this was, this was a sell for me too. I mean, it's, it's been bad so far, but I've got a feeling his luck is about to change. You know, I, I thought it was about to, we're going to get one of those magical baseball moments when he leapt into the, uh, left field stands and caught that foul ball which one of the best plays, you know, front runner for the you know, web gym of the year already. I just think new team, new city, the guy's pressing a little bit. Uh, no, nobody probably needed those extra two days off that they just got more than Will Benson. You know, he um, just is pressing. His swing is long and slow right now, which was not what he was doing in spring training. I think that a couple of days off, let him play some chess out in the streets, get Joey back up there to you know, give him a, a, a good chess partner. Will Benson's going to be back. I'm selling the Will Benson is the worst hitter in the history of the game. So. Yeah, I'm absolutely selling as well. I have very much confidence that he's going to be able to do something for this team and be helpful. Um, I don't think he's going to strike out nine of every 12 at-bats the rest of the year. <laughs> um, we went through that many times already with guys like Drew Stones, Billy Hamilton. I think he's different from those guys. So, 
Hold on a second. Billy Hamilton catches strays on my podcast. <laughs> Billy Hamilton is a comic book superhero, and I will not listen to slander about. All right, Tim, I'm sorry. I'm here to announce the cancellation of Late Night Reds Talk Show on <laughs> the Riverfront Network. What else is new? <laughs> uh, no, is our, beef, no, is our yeah. beef back on? <laughs> yes, I think we need to have another pretend beef. Uh, that was fun. <laughs> All right. Well, we need to get some viewer mail questions here, man. This has been so much fun. I hope uh, all the viewers slash listeners are having fun because I'm having yeah. a blast. Tweet at us at uh, Riverfront Sensei if you have any more buy, sell, or hold questions for you. We'll hash it out on the Twitter webs. Yeah, that's great. And uh, by the way, speaking of Twitter, lots of people like to point out to me the nice things I said about Will Benson. I'm getting Will Benson in my mentions <laughs> all every time he, he strikes out. Somebody, hey, Chad, what do you think about that? Great Hold player, huh? Hold on to that. He's going to get hot real soon, and it's going to be impressive. I'm going to start forwarding those to uh, Will Benson on Twitter. Hey, look at this. Use it for your fuel. Um, let's get into some viewer mail questions. These questions, as always, come from our friends at patreon.com slash riverfrontcency. That's patreon.com slash riverfrontcency, where you, too, can support the world's most dangerous podcast. First, we have a new member of the family this week, Nate. Um, yeah, we need to, as, as always, when you join uh, the family – you get assigned a position on our beer league softball team. So our the newest member of the family is Eric Market, whose name is it's the first time someone's been mentioned on the podcast. I mentioned him a moment ago. He, we mentioned him before he got his uh his position, but now we're going back and giving his position. Eric Market. Nate, I'm gonna ask you because I'm I, I usually have some sort of a sense of what position they play on the 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 Riverfront Beer League softball team. I can't get a sense of Eric Market. What do you think? I was struggling with it too, but then it hit me. It was, it was the perfect visual. Eric Market rolls up to the field. He gets the roller cooler out of the trunk, brings it over, full of cold beers, taking care of the fellas, just passing them out, passing them out. Beer for you, beer for you. We're all good. He slugs a couple pregame, maybe shotguns one in the on deck circle. Goes out there, man's first base for seven innings, however many innings it is, it. and just hits dingers. Just Thanks. hits dingers the whole time. He's got a solid buzz. He's happy that it's not fast pitch. I know that. <laughs> That's it. That's it. He's the slugging first baseman who brings the, the the cooler. That's absolutely it. Tim, you you agree, disagree with that? Yeah, he's a tank hitter for sure. He's a tanker. Definitely. Yeah. Eric, so glad to have yeah. you in the family. Um, look forward to getting to know you a little bit more over the uh, over the coming weeks and months. But thank you so much. Really appreciate it. First question for you, Mel, uh, comes from Eric. And it's this, what role do you see for Jason Vosler when Votto returns and who gets sent down? Now, I kind of preview that his role, I think he can have a role. I think he's not a super sub necessarily, but he can DH, as, as Tim said. He can You can you can fill him in around the diamond. I, I think DH is a pretty good place for him, um, at least certainly while he's hot. But um, I just think he's a sort of a fill-in fill in type guy all over the place. And you get him at bats when you can get him at bats. But I think, he, I think he's still here. Either of you disagree with that? Who gets sent nope. down? This is this is the question because he's staying when Votto, yeah. presumably Votto's gonna be back soon. Uh, Tim, I'll, I'll let you take the first stab at this. Who goes down? I, I have, well, I'll I'll wait to get to give my prediction. But Tim, what do you think? Uh, Fernando Cruz. You can always move, <laughs> you can always move bullpen guys to bring you know. There's no rule against it. It's uh, true. Lord knows he needs to find the strike zone again. I'm confident he will. Um, so maybe a little more tenure in Louisville. Maybe that's what we need. Uh, Nate? I didn't check to see who had how many options or whatnot, but the one that jumps out to me would be Stuart Fairchild. 
if they can move him back and forth a little bit more. But if he doesn't start hitting, Will Benson might be the answer. That was that was my answer, Will Benson. Benson does have options. Um, it might not hurt him to just be able to take a breath. Fairchild's looked pretty good in limited time so far, mm-hmm. but and I don't trust anybody that went to Wake Forest University. Weak Forest. Get out of here, Stuart Fairchild. Um, I hope he's not listening. Um, I think it might be Will Benson. I really think it might be Will Benson. And as much as I am going to catch flack when that happens on the Twitters, uh, might be the right uh, – just to give it a breather. But I, I, I'm still – I'm buying Will Benson stock. Next question comes from our friend Joey Gaditza. Joey from uh, the land up north, Canada. That's where the Canadians come from, Canada. Mm-hmm. Blame Canada. Happy Easter, guys. I still have hope for Benson. More Benson talk. But it definitely has faded a bit. Will he figure it out? Chad, to answer this, you have to mention him on the podcast again, even though you said you wouldn't. Really, though, I hope he figures it out. We've kind of already uh, beaten this one to death. I did say, I think I said, I think it was on Late Night Reds uh, last week that I mentioned that I was never going to mention Wilbins' name again because I jinxed him. Um, uh, the question is, will he figure it out? Yes. Uh, but now, what does that mean? Uh, he, yes, he'll be better than this. Is he going to be as good as I predicted? Well, maybe not. I don't know, but come on. Do not make it as much as we are being, and again, to use Nate's uh, language, as much as we are completely and utterly overreacting to everything, let's not overreact to 12 at-bats from Will Benson. They have been 12 bad at-bats, mm-hmm. but let's not overreact. Either of you have anything? Uh, Nate, I'll ask uh, you first. Anything? No, we've, pretty, we, we've covered it. I'm, I'm rooting for the guy, though. Yeah, yeah I'm pulling for him. I'm, I'm going to give this question to you first, uh, Tim. This comes from our buddy Rich Thompson. Rich, the season is still young, but what players have pleasantly surprised and disappointed you so far? Mm. Okay, disappointed. Will Benson, whatever. We get it. <laughs> um, pleasantly surprised. Let's go with that one first. So I mentioned India earlier. We've talked about him quite a bit already. Um, I knew he'd be really good this year. I knew he'd have a vengeance. I did not think he'd be as good as he's been so far. Uh, projecting as an all-star at the moment. Again, five games into the baseball season, anything can happen. But I think India has been terrific. Um, and, you know, he's only had two outings so far. But Alexis Diaz, still being Alexis Diaz, where a lot of us thought maybe he could have some regression because of how good he was last year. Again, two innings. I'm well aware of everything we're saying here. <laughs> but two very, very impressive two innings. innings. Yeah, yeah, two very impressive innings so far. Uh, disappointment. Um, you know, Obviously, like we mentioned, Will Benson is one there, but um, and I hate to say it because I've been so high on him, but you know, Mr. Solglow himself, Jose Barrero, is not getting the hits I thought he'd be getting at this point, and especially coming off the spring where it looked like his swing changed and looked like I think his swing definitely looks better, but you know, it still looks like the same Jose Barrero we've seen so far in the majors, and that bums me out. Yeah, um, I guess what I would say uh, for pleasantly surprised, probably T.J. Friedel. I've been certainly he's been he's been great so far. I would say even Jake Fraley. Um, disappointed, I'm, a guy that we've not mentioned yet today, Jose Barrero. Uh, you know, and not that I expected a ton from because you can't expect much given what he's done before. But it's not not been great, not been great so far. Nate, what do you think? I am. Yeah, I had the same people y'all mentioned for my. Surprises, Vossler, Friedel, and um, Jonathan India. Disappointments. I'm not so disappointed in Jose Barrero yet. I, I think it looks like he has made some legitimate improvements. The swing looks better. The defense has been great. 
And for him to, you know, get True. hurt a little bit right after getting a hit, right after hitting the ball hard was tough. But I, I'm still feeling pretty good about Jose Barrera right now. So other than that, I don't know. Who's the guy in the bullpen? Buck Farmer's been awful. So screw you, Buck. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that escalated quickly. Be better, Buck. Nate's like, I'm not watching Uncle Buck ever again until Buck Farmer gets back in the swing of things. And it's a great film, so you don't know how bad this hurts me. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, Seth Shaner, our buddy Seth Shaner says, hey, fellas, I lost my grandpa this week. Seth, hey, listen, our our thoughts and prayers go out to you, buddy. Sorry about that. We've been there, and uh, and, uh, we're thinking of you. But he says, I was reminded of a time I went to a Reds game with both my grandfathers and my dad. Long story short, it was a great day capped by one of my grandpas driving his Mercury Grand Marquis over 60 miles after the low gas light came on. Mm. Oh, wow. That's Kramer-esque. Some of us were concerned. What are some great father and grandfather baseball memories in your life? And just quickly, these are, uh, you know, I I, I talk often or I write uh, often about, you know, family and and what, you know, father-son, sometimes mother-son, mother-daughter, father-daughter. Those relationships are what is the my favorite thing about baseball you know before we started recording here today i watched my son play baseball he went two for three by the way but his team only got four hits um it was not a good day but yes i'm yeah so anyway um it's something we do we we, baseball you know um one of the most fun times i had was taking my my son to a game four of the 2012 playoffs you know we just were sure we're going back to the world series that year and uh but uh, uh anyway for me, I need to be quick about this because we, we are really running along here. But uh, Nate and I, our grandfather uh, passed away when I was nine. So Nate wasn't born yet. But he's the biggest reason why I'm such an insane baseball fan to this, this day. He's a big Reds fan. He kept scorebook for the local high school team. And when I was, when I was little, um, he would draw these little comics for me. They're little stick figure comics, and they had you know, crazy dumb dad jokes in them. But they were all about baseball, and he just loved baseball. And so, you know, um, and, and Nate will tell our dad, probably my favorite uh, story about our dad in baseball is the time that we had uh, – uh, we went to Cincinnati to watch the watch the Reds and uh, had tickets to the next game, and my dad decided for whatever reason we needed to leave, and we needed to, go, we needed to get back. And so he just gave our tickets away to some guy in the hotel parking lot and turned out the game that we had tickets to was the game – this is – Nate, you probably weren't even born yet on this one, actually. But Eric Davis and Ray not going to do a big fight. My brother Corey and I, we were just like so mad that we could have seen this big brawl on the field as, you know, 12-year-olds or whatever. But anyway, um, we could, I could spend an entire hour talking about this. It's uh, something that's very important to me. And our dad has been, uh, Nate will tell you, has been instrumental in our love for baseball and, and uh, you know, coached my little league teams. And, you know, just uh, anyway, I'm going to. A tear is going to roll down my face if I don't stop. Uh, uh, Nate, I'll go to you next on this one. Any any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Dad, like coaching my little league teams for a few years, will always look back fondly on you know riding in the back of his truck to the fields uh, for those few years. But it's really tough to boil down to just one or two instances. Uh, you know, there there were two separate little league fields and complexes in our hometown named after the men in our family, our grandfather and his brother. Who and you know Jack could probably tell you a little more, um, you know, detailed about this. But along with our grandmother, they were responsible for keeping Little League alive in our town. So, you know that that romanticism is why I'm always going to love this sport, no matter what you know slot bucket gets trotted out in the field for 162 games. Like 
we're going to be there. And that's, that's kind of why. Uh, and let me just follow up on that, Nate, because you're right. The two different little league compl- fields in our, in our hometown, one named after our grandfather, one named after our great uncle, his brother. Um, but the field that was named after our grandfather, William Dotson Sr. Uh, Memorial Field. I remember the day that I think Nate was playing Little League mm-hmm. and our grandmother threw out the first pitch of the Little League season. They literally started Little League in our in our town and kept it going. But my favorite moment, I didn't even think about this, was when my daughter was playing high school softball and she was a freshman on the varsity team and she walked down the field the first time, they played at Bill Dotson Senior Memorial Field. And I remember taking a picture of the sign at the field and then watching my daughter walk onto the field to play on that field because they'd convert it to a softball field at that time. And I'm telling you, man, that got me in the fields right there. I will never forget that moment. So Tim, sorry, we've been having some dots in the family moments no, here. But, great. Uh, uh, what do you think? So when I came to the riverfront and I made the production video for the promo, one of the things I said, my voiceover is I'm doing this show still for my dad. Uh, I lost my dad in December. Um, I've really, you know, had a tough time with it. And so like, but this was the franchise my dad raised me to love. Um, this was the franchise that we would, when we lived in Bellevue, Kentucky, we'd walk the bridge over 45 times to go watch the 1999 Cincinnati Reds. And we'd go to all those games. And when he told me I was watching a Dallas Cowboys game, that that cornerback number 21 plays center field for the Cincinnati Reds. And we're going to go see him play. I have those moments with my dad. Um, so yeah, I think just like, you know, having those times of walking across the bridge, you know, I've, I've talked multiple times on multiple shows what the 99 team meant to me and how fun they were. And we've talked about, you know, every Reds fans talked about the 99 team, obviously, and how awesome they were and just how much a lighter brook our hearts will never forgive them for. Um, but that was the year my dad and I went to so many games. We'd go and buy tickets in the red at the river at Old Synergy Field and move down to the green before the ushers got really angry. And uh, that was, you know, that's a time I'll never forget. And it's, it's why I wanted to do this show. It's why I wanted to be part of a part of Red's coverage was my relationship with my dad and loving this franchise. I love it. it it's just, it's uh, so many people are listening right now and nodding their heads and we're like, yes, I have a similar story. And Tim, I got to tell you something. You have some fun to look forward to because now you're the dad. Yeah. And, and you're a girl dad. And mm-hmm. listen, there's something special about that. And you, you got a chance to pass it on as well. So, um, Oh, I man. signed her up for to... Reds rookies, so I love Seth, it. Uh, to Seth Shaner, hearts, condolences, sending Absolutely. all the good positivity, good vibes your way, my man. Yeah, I love you, buddy. Kyle Kapler. I don't know how we move on to that. Kyle, you're gonna have to bring the bring the heat on this text question because that was a that was an emotional one. Kyle Kapler, small sample size, blah, blah, blah. But Jake Fraley seems to be off to one of the more impressive starts. How big would it be for the franchise if he can establish himself as an everyday corner outfielder i'll just quickly say we've already talked about him a little bit but how big would it be for the franchise It'd be huge now again we're just talking about a guy because at his age he's probably not going to be an everyday corner outfielder for more than the next two or three years best case scenario but if the reds had an everyday corner outfielder if the, if he established himself as this middle of the order hitter like we were talking earlier huge because it's one less thing you know one less thing so um tim i'll uh, I'll, I'll let you uh, address that because you love you love you some rake fraley I do. Yeah. He's a game changer. If that is the case, it's, it's, it changes everything for this franchise. Chad and I said, uh, and we almost went down a very big rabbit hole on really night reds last week. Uh, that Nick Senzel not being able to be healthy has really set the franchise back a couple years. I think Jake Fraley could bring them back on the timeline. If he became an everyday middle of the inf- middle of the middle of the lineup hitter, he could really, that could really change that much for the franchise. 
Nate? Yeah, he plays the right side of the platoon, you know. Um, him and TJ Friedel, if these guys are everyday guys, then, you know, we always talk about don't trust them, don't count on prospects because they don't all pan out. Well, the more of these guys they already have that do, the less we need, you know, every top 10 guy to come through. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping that optimism alive. It would be huge, 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 huge for this franchise. Three more questions. Let's try to get through these as quickly as we can here because we're running long, but uh, it's because we're having so much fun. I hope you all are as well. First comes from our buddy Rex Scott. Rex, the bullpen was a concern coming into the season, as we all know. David Bell, that's Red's manager, David Bell, is already demonstrating what he has always done, which is use as many arms as possible in every game. What do you guys think about how he and his staff handle the bullpen? Who are the best candidates to be set up men and closers? Thanks, gents. Uh, again, I'll just quickly uh, give my answer. What do I think about how he and his staff handle the bullpen? I think he, I have no issues with it because what's he going to do? It's, he just does not have a lot at his disposal. So every time a reliever comes in and is awful, somebody screams at me that it's David Bell's fault on Twitter. <laughs> and what's he going to do? He doesn't have a bunch of – it's not a bunch of – he doesn't have the nasty boys. The nasty boys ain't walking through that door, okay? So what's he going to do? As for the best candidates to be set up in closures, well, I mean, Alexis Diaz is is, is obviously the closer. <laughs> it's not even close. He's the best pitcher here. I, I want to believe in Ian Jabot. I really do. I want to believe in him. I don't necessarily. <laughs> I think the best setup guy on this team is the Reds' number five starter, Luis Sessa, who we were going to talk about Sessa and Overton earlier. We just we got away from it, but um, there are not a bunch of setup men and closers here. There's a bunch of guys that probably shouldn't be on a big league roster, plus Alexis Diaz. Nate, yeah, step one, get Sessa back in the bullpen. But uh, my big gripe here is that we've done a pretty good job lately of praising Nick Crawl for some of the moves he's made these last uh, several months, year or so, but refusing to improve this bullpen bullpen is just getting out of hand. Like, I mean, maybe most every fan base feels this way, but you know, I get not bringing in a stud when you don't expect to contend. If, if, if hashtag get crawled means that you have a dope double A team and a terrible major league bullpen then unsubscribe. <laughs> and let me just say the bullpen is the one place that you can improve presumably a little bit cheaper than any other area. It's not like you have to spend a ton of money. Just try. So, Tim, thoughts about the bullpen? You know, it goes back to, like you said, Chad, we don't, what are his options here? Um, as far as the closer thing, I'm, I'm on the maker of, like, I think that's a silly position. Um, I think it's kind of silly that you're like, well, this one guy is really good in this one case, and it's like, okay, let's calm it down a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, you know, if it comes to, for the sake of the question, obviously Alexis Diaz is the best case to be your closer as far as, like, the guy to get the most important three outs. Um, but as far as setup guys, you know, Alex Young doesn't have, like, the eighth inning stuff per se. I like him. I think he's a good pitcher. But am I like, hell yeah, Alex Young's coming in. We're going to be fine this inning when O'Neal Cruz is <laughs> up? Probably not. Alex Young, by the way, is um, – let's see if we find him here if, on that. Uh, he's number eight on the top 12 players on baseball reference. Alex Young. I didn't know what he looked like. Um, he has some gray in his beard, though. That's not encouraging. Um, yeah, what are you, you going to do? What are you going to do? Alexis Diaz. This is episode 473 of this show. Uh, to go to Tim's point uh, quickly, you can go back to episode one, and I'm sure we were talking about how 
Stop using your closer just when you're up three runs in the ninth inning. Use him in the seventh inning in a high-leverage situation. We've been yelling about that for years. James Urban. By the way, James Urban, I like him. I prefer James Rural. I don't know if I've mentioned that before. James Urban, how often is it acceptable to say the phrase, hello, Newman, in regards to Kevin Newman? I think literally every time he does something good, says says James Urban. Um, I think you say every time he does something bad, because that's sort of in Seinfeld, Newman. Hello, Newman. Hello, Jerry. But I think that if I were Kevin Newman, I I mean this 100% seriously, every player picks their walk-up music when they walk up. And... You know, my son, by the way, in high school has uh, has Mozart. That's his walk up music. They let him do that in high school nowadays. It's it's my son is insane. He's just like his dad. Um, but if I were Kevin Newman, my walk up music would just be Jerry Seinfeld saying "Hello, Newman" every time he walked to the plate. How much would Reds fans fall in love with him if he did that? That's my question. So you all can answer the question or the question I just had. Either of you, go ahead and grab it. The answer would be yes, as, as often as possible. I'm sorry for John saying that. Like that must be difficult. <laughs> I don't think it is for him. I think he like relishes every chance he gets to do it. So <laughs> perfect. This, Definitely. This is a guy who makes Ninja Turtle references on 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 games sometimes. So <laughs> sign me up. Friend of the show, John Sadak. Good guy. Good guy. Um, by the way, John Sadak called a game in the NCAA basketball tournament. Did, did he not, Tim? Which game? Which game did he call on radio? Um, I don't remember which game that was. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I think I've mentioned it a couple times uh, something about Virginia. Yeah, I don't know. Virginia Tony Bennett it. can't get past double D, double digit teams in the first round. It's just Furman and uh, and Ohio, Ohio, the Ohio Bobcats. Uh, you, um, you missed one. You missed one. No, that's all. That's it. No, 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 there was one. No, there's no more. There's no more. Um, I love that Nate left. <laughs> yeah, Nate left. We started talking. Nate, where are you? Have we lost you? I don't know what's going on. If you're watching on YouTube, Nate has uh, left us. Last question here comes from our friend Hooper Powell. Hooper Powell, your best guess. Who is in the starting rotation going into the last five games of the year? This is a pretty good question, I think. It is a good one. Um, it's one to, it's uh, fun to think about. Uh, Tim, I'll let you go ahead and take your first stab at it. I have I have some thoughts, but go ahead. Mm, okay. So I'm going to go to the obvious three, of course. Green Liddell Ashcraft. Uh, I do think Brandon Williamson will be up with the major league roster at this point. I really do. And Mm -hmm. I think number five, um, I hope it's Luis Sessa going to the bullpen, but for the time being, as far as the the fifth, the fifth best player, I think I'm going to put Luis Sessa there for now. Luis Sessa. Okay. Well, you know, um, my first four are the same as yours. I think Brandon Williamson, maybe this is wishful thinking. Maybe this is wish casting just a little bit, but I think it's gonna be Brandon Williamson. I'm he, you know, uh, did not perform well late spring and early returns in the AAA, whatever. Um, we'll see. I, I think he's gonna be the guy. I think he's gonna at least get the, the, the chance, get the shot. My fifth guy, my fifth in the rotation for the last five games of the season is gonna be Andrew Abbott. Andrew Abbott, Ooh. as as we're talking tonight, starting uh, opening day night for the Chattanooga Lookouts. I need a new Chattanooga Lookouts cap, by the way. I need to go Me too. when we get off here. Yeah, I used to have one of those, and uh, I need to get another one. Um, Andrew Abbott, I can't remember where he went to college, but I think he's a really good player. Oh, yeah, the University of Virginia. Uh, he did not go to Furman. He did not go to Ohio. He did not go to the University of Maryland at Baltimore County. Um, 
I think I think Andrew Abbott's going to have a good year, Double A, maybe get up Triple A the second half of the year. And I think you know we get to the end of the season, he's going to he's going to be the guy, and with a real shot to be in the rotation next year. And as much as we want to, and we didn't we didn't get into it here on the show tonight, but Connor Overton, Luis Sessa, you know, not exactly your ideal four or five guys, but there are some guys that could be in the mix next year. The Andrew Abbott's, the Brandon Williams, the Levi Stouts. I don't know. There's there's some other, some other guys. Um, that we might have a really special rotation soon later. I'm completely and utterly overreacting to use Nate's terms, but anyway, I, I'm going with Andrew Abbott. Nate, uh, are you back? Yeah, I'm back. So uh, sorry if I repeat anything you guys talked about. But I also had Andrew Abbott. Um, my other Ooh. fifth guy was Levi Stout. I have officially sold okay. all of my Brandon Williams in stock. Not because I'm 100% out. I just needed to buy some more land on Ashcraft Island. And I needed to <laughs> liquidate some Free up funds. some resources. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. I get it. Well, Tim and I both had uh, both had Brendan Williamson in our in our five, but you still sold all your stock. So, I don't know. It could be any of those guys, and I'm happy for it to be any of those guys. Uh, anyone but, bless his heart, I, you know, the Connor Overton, o- Overton's window, the Overton window needs to close. All right. Um that's about just about time to land this plane. Tim, I want to ask you quickly again. You know, we talked about Sunday nights, late night Reds talk. What do you got coming up? Um, this Sunday, nine o'clock. We're back to regular schedule, just so we just so everyone knows. Though the Friday show did far better than we actually at the front expected. So thank you all. That was a lot of fun for Chad and I. We had a great time. Uh, but this Sunday, uh, good friends of the program, the locked on Reds crew, uh, Stephen Offenbaker and uh, Jeff Carr, who is not me. Jeff Carr and I are not the same person. Stop talking to us about it. We are not. We'll address this on the show. Uh, they're going to be joining me on Sunday night uh, to kind of just talk about what they think, how the team's going. Uh, if you aren't paying attention to the Locked On Reds guys, they're great. I think their work's awesome. Uh, Jeff and uh, Steven are really funny dudes who have a lot of passion for their organization. Uh, Steven, uh, tweeted me after our show Friday, Chad, to say that he has one of those Hawaiian shirts that we mentioned and will be wearing it at the game. And he was wearing it on Sunday. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, No, the Locked on Reds guys. Listen, I love every single Reds podcast. Go listen to all of them. It's a great group. We're not, we're not in competition with anyone. I love them all. The Locked on guys are great. I've been on their show uh, a few times and and something I want you to talk about with, with Steve. I've known Steve since the mid nineties. I've known oh, really? Steve, yes. Uh, it, you know, he goes back to when there's this thing when I was in college, Bill Lack started this Reds Lister email discussion group, basically. And that's where I met. It's where I met Bill Lack. It's where I met uh, Chris Garber, who I wrote the book with. It's where I met Steve Offenbaker. And so we've known each other for many, many years. He's a good guy. Um, a lousy podcaster. Just a lousy podcast. The worst. I'm just seeing if he's listening all the way to the end because he'll let me know. But <laughs> no, I look forward to seeing that. I'm going to be, uh, hopefully I'll try to join you all live on Sunday night to uh, to watch that and uh, and uh, maybe drop some dumb comments in the uh, in the chat. So, um, Nate, any final thoughts for us? First of all, you need to show us the, turn around that cap for just one moment. Yeah. Show us what that is. Ooh, is that? Supporting Alexis Diaz over here. Puerto Rico. Being in the uh, T-Mobile district for their win over the Dominican Republic was 
maybe behind the Reds playoff game, the, the one that I've been to, it was the coolest sporting event that I've ever attended. It, it, it was just electric. It was so cool. Thousands and thousands of people going insane. But uh, okay. not much for me else going on at the Riverfront, but do check out what Joe and Greg did this week over at the Riverfront Bengals show. I think they did a uh, full draft breakdown, and those guys know way more about that stuff than I ever did. So um, it's a great listen. They're crushing it over there. Go check it out. Guys, I'm so excited about what we have going on at the Riverfront right now with the Bengals show. Uh, with this show, I'm a little less excited about late night Reds talk. Me too. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. no, really, I love it. The live show is amazing, guys. I'm really excited what we got going on. A lot of good talk about Cincinnati area sports. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, I'm excited about the Reds right now. It, I, I'm all in. They're going to break my heart. They do every year, but I'm here for it. This is the Riverfront. Thanks to everyone for listening and uh, supporting. Please remember to subscribe to the show, either on YouTube or in your favorite podcast app. Here on YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube right now, go ahead and smash that subscribe button. Just smash it. You have you have consent. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We are at Riverfront Sensi, at Riverfront Sensi on all those platforms. And then, as we always say, a, a huge thank you to our supporters at patreon.com slash Riverfront Sensi. Literally, this show would not be possible without the support of our Patreon family. We'd love for you to join our hijinks. Just go to that uh, patreon.com slash riverfront or click the link in the show notes. Shouts to Adam Dunn. Shouts to Lisa Alberto, Wayne Krenchicki, Eli Cash, and Jason Vosler. For Nate Dotson and Tim Daniel, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone.